0: A listener Production. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Listen Dylan Alcott, g'day.
1: G'day, mates. And I'm going to talk about some stuff today that's uh, pretty heavy. Uh, yep. First and foremost, big ups to this person who's going to come on and share their story, but it does involve a pretty big trauma that that might affect a few people
0: it does and it's certainly questions that i've never had i've written my question down so specifically to be so caring in in, in the nature that i can delivery but also you know when you it it made me feel in moments like oh gosh i hope i don't get this wrong um but with this comes a warning this episode will discuss a specific person's experience with ptsd and attempt to end their life this may be triggering the listeners with similar experiences if so please take our caution and or contact our friends at lifeline on 13 11 14.
2: My name's Laura McDonough and I'm a 23-year-old girl from Melbourne. Um, I'm a bilateral baloney amputee as a result of a suicide attempt. Um, when I was 19, I tried to end my life via jumping in front of a train.
1: Well, we're going to get into that later, but if you want to start by talking about that event, can you tell us what happened, when it was, and um, why you, why you felt you had to do that?
2: So I suffer from treatment resistant depression and post traumatic stress disorder and I have well struggled with this all throughout my teenage years and now into my adulthood. It was actually four years ago, the Sunday that just passed the wow. uh, um when this all happened. And um I remember just becoming like really, really unwell and really, really depressed and I just felt there was felt like there was absolutely no way out, and I just felt so hopeless and um yeah i just I just didn't see a way out and even though i had or have had hospitalizations for my mental health or throughout my teenage years due to suicide attempts and stuff then um yeah i just I just thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it.
1: You're a bloody legend, first and <laughs> foremost, for coming on and being so honest. And we appreciate it so much. We do. And uh, just for people that don't really understand, you know, about depression, traumatic stress, as you were talking yeah. about it, was this brought on from a like a young age? Was there an event that happened to you? Or was it always just been um, something that's been a part of your life?
2: Um, it's always been something that's been a part of my life. Um, so my grandmother and well, mental illness kind of runs a bit in my family. And then I had a few traumatic incidents. So it was a bit of a, you know, trauma related and then genetic predisposition to it.
0: So on this day in 2017, four years ago, nearly to the day, um, you decided to, I think you even said that it all became too much. Yeah. And so it wasn't premeditated that you would do it that day or was there a a thought process went into it or did it just immediately happen as a spur of the moment thing?
2: Um, I was feeling that way and thinking about it for a couple of weeks before it. Um, And I remember actually seeing my doctor at the time that morning and I just remember just collapsing to the ground and just shaking and being like, I'm really not okay. You, You know, like you need to do something. And then was kind of, or well, not well, ignored, but kind of like not taken seriously. Dismissed a bit? No, is a good yeah, word? Yeah. Yeah. I, yep, yep, yep. yeah, just completely dismissed. And um, then from that moment, I was like, okay, so, you know, not even if the mental health system can care about me, then but what's the point of continuing on? And then that night, um remember just heading down to the train tracks and, yeah, being struck by
1: the train. So I struggled with my mental health when I was young, about yeah. my disability, got bullied, and yeah. the biggest regret I had was not talk, talking, talking about it about or it, telling yeah. anyone. When you go to a health practitioner and they dismiss you, devastating. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it happened to me with when I was feeling sick and like, you'll be right. It's like, no, no, like, something wrong yeah. with me. Like, yeah. yeah. But did you feel, could you go to anyone else? Did you did you go to your family, friends? Was there anyone else? Or did you kind of keep it to yourself?
2: Um. During that point of time, I kind of kept it to myself. Um, but before that, I had, you know, obviously my family knew about what was going on throughout my teenage years and, yeah, being in, being in the mental health system for years, it was obviously known yep. that I had a mental illness. But So yeah. you,
0: we'll talk about life um, of the last four years with a disability, yeah. being a below-knee amputee, you know, talking about the lead-up to the events, have you had, I'm sure you have conversations with your parents where is there guilt on any side of the fence that nobody had done something enough, if that makes sense? Like I, I just, you know, I've I've got a daughter, but I just feel like if if my daughter had been in the same situation mm-hmm. as you had been, I would just it would be myself that I would blame a lot, if that makes sense. I would I would harbor a lot of guilt that I didn't do en- enough in that moment. Have you had those sorts of honest conversations with your parents?
2: Um yes and no. I guess the thing about having a mental illness is when somebody gets to that point, unfortunately, if someone's like so driven and determined and um, they think that, you know, that's the only option and some, most of the time there's not really anything someone that can be done. That can hmm. be done. But as
0: a parent, I, I, I can't believe that. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like there's something I can do for my daughter it affects so many more people than just yourself. But in that moment, do you – can you see that you're affecting
1: more than one person? Yeah,
2: for sure.
1: Right. Yeah. But it affects you so much. Like, I lost a friend to suicide and I was just shocked. Like, why didn't you tell me? Like, you know, it's like my – I could have done more. But in passing, they left messages saying, like, no one could have done anything. You know what I mean? Like, I really appreciate, like, the support, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't know much about it. I'm I'm with you. I would have thought, like, I felt guilty that I didn't do more. Yeah. but I mean, in that moment, you kind of probably felt like no one could do anything. No. Yeah. And by the way, anything that you don't want to answer, you just tell us, all right? Of course. Yeah. Can you just tell us about when you're at the train station? What's happening?
2: Well, it wasn't like actually at a train station. It was kind of on the tracks, kind of like behind the park. Yeah. Okay. And I just remember just hysterically crying and just walking up and down the tracks and um, I was oblivious to this at the time, but my mum actually followed me down to the train tracks. And um, I just remember her you know, like yelling out my name and I could hear her, but I was just in that state where I was like, no, no, I don't, you know, really. Um.
0: You sort of made up your own mind by that point?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so it was, a, like you said, it was a kind of a spur of the moment thing that in, you had that day with um, the person you having, you know chats to felt dismissed and you just thought that was the way that it was the most easiest or one you thought about
2: previously? Like I said before, I was definitely thinking about it for a couple of weeks um, coming up to the incident, but I think it was that day that really made me, what's the right word for it, kind of really think, okay, this is it.
1: So, Mum's kind of trying to find you, Chase. After so, you're. How far away is she? Like when, when you got hit by the train, lost legs and things. What, where, what, where was she? Where were you? Did you remember much of it, or does it oh, all?
2: Oh, I was awake for the whole. You were. Yeah. Well, Mum unfortunately saw me get hit, um, and I remember just flying like thirty meters through the air, about about thirty meters, I think. And um, just being caught completely under the train, I remember my left leg was completely cut in half at the scene and I just remember the, well, wasn't a pretty picture. No. Just the, you know, everything mm. there. Um, I remember I still had my right foot and leg um, until a month after the incident, um, but I broke every single bone in my right foot and um, I just remember I had a fractured back too. So I just remember being in just this debilitating amount of pain and just screaming at the top of my lung.
1: Did the train driver see you and start trying to get you to move or did it happen quite fast?
2: Uh, from memory, I think it happened quite
0: fast. Okay. I guess a, one question is, today sitting in front of us, are you glad to be here?
2: I um, I am. There are definitely times and days where my mental health still um, tests me and I, I still have my days where I'm like, no, stuff this. I don't want to do this anymore. I've had enough. But then I look back at the moments that um, I thought I wouldn't be able to achieve and I think, okay, well, if I can achieve that and if I can do that, then I can do this too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives me the um, balance and the motivation. Yeah.
1: The drive. Yeah. Love that.
0: So in that moment of not, not even waking up, of, of being on the tracks with your injuries, Mm. nothing like kind of clicked and you went, oh, okay, I'm I'm glad to be here. You were sort of like, it didn't work.
2: Yeah. It was really conflicting. Um, especially after waking up from a coma, Mm. it was
1: like, okay. Oh, so you were in a coma?
2: Yeah. Was, oh, with that
1: much trauma. Yeah. How uh, long were you in a coma for?
2: Um, I think about a week. Yeah. Yeah, and induced coma for about a week. Yeah. Afterwards. Um. And I just remember thinking, okay, I'm here. Why didn't it work? Because I was still in that.
0: Really headspace.
2: Headspace, yeah. and it was just huge shock to the system. You know, waking up and realizing what had happened, and
1: what what happens after. So you wake up. You know, if someone has a car accident, they go to rehab yeah. Um, yeah. to learn how to live their life with the, you know, yeah. their, their now difference. Is it, is it the same? How long was that process for you?
2: Um, so I was in the Royal Melbourne for a good couple of months. Um, normally, after an amputation, you'd go to rehab quicker.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but because I had so many surgeries and a lot of complications after the incident, that process kind of got delayed.
0: What was the moment like when you came out of your coma, that moment of realising your legs were gone? Do you remember the sort of mindset or thoughts out when you were like, okay, well, I'm now
2: disabled? Yeah, I remember it just being very emotional. Um, I never, I guess when people speak about like mental illnesses and stuff like that, I guess, or especially from my experience as a teenager and stuff too, I never thought that um, my mental health would make me physically disabled. (laughs) And I remember just thinking, okay, well, this this has happened now and what do I do and where do I go from here? And, you know, people die from this all the time. Why am I here? Why am I alive? And it's just this really messy kind of Yeah,
0: it's very infusing, conflicting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds so like outrageous. it is. It's
1: like battle between the two. How was your family when it, when it happened? Um, Especially your mum.
2: Absolutely distraught.
1: When they're visiting you in hospital, did you feel that they were distraught or were they putting on a brave face? Can Can you remember those moments?
2: I think they were trying to put on a brave face for me, but you could tell, mm-hmm. you know, we're a pretty close family and I don't think, well, especially with dad and mum and stuff like that, I couldn't imagine how it would feel like knowing that that has happened to your daughter.
0: Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It must be tough as well for you to put yourself into someone else, when you've got your own battles. Yeah, to have to put yourself into someone else's shoes to understand how you're making them feel—that must be
2: yeah.
1: overwhelming. Yeah, you're yeah. you're lying in hospital, and you know, in a bad way, physically also emotionally. There must have been people moments that had a big impact on you to turn you into the beautiful person that you are today. You know what I mean? You've rolled in here to openly talk about your thing. It's powerful. It's it's incredible. It really is. But there must have been moments along the way mm. where you felt a change, where you wanted to, to to be the person that you are today.
2: Yeah. Well, um, well, I'm um, first of all, I'm very lucky to have such an amazing and supportive friendship group. With well, as a whole, we've been through um, hell and back together. Um, but I remember also having friends that I had before the accident and them leaving because mm. of it.
1: We hear that a bit on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, amputations, accidents. Yeah, people you know, can't yeah. handle
2: disabilities. And yeah. I think it's really sad because it doesn't change you. the person. Correct. Yeah. And I remember just a couple of incidents, you know, just being treated really horribly and stuff after afterwards. And I remember thinking, well, I don't want to make people feel like the way they have made me feel. So... I just think um, there's so much like pain and suffering in the world and you just never know what someone's going through. And I I think it's completely, um, well, not stupid's not the right word, but I think it's always important to be kind to people and always important to be nice to everyone because, you know, if you're nasty towards someone and you say something to them, then that could affect them in ways that you don't know about.
0: Look at that. Person that you saw that day, you know. If the, I bet they think about that all the time as well. If only they'd done something more on that might day not even, and not dismissed you, you might know? not
2: even
1: know. You know, as well. That's yeah, also true. Yeah, yeah.
0: What the support systems that are in place? Like we talk about, if you're in a if you're in a car accident, there's the uh, the road safety authority that comes in and they can help you with um, your new life as a disabled person. Yeah, yeah. For you, what kind of support systems were in place after the accident? What what did you receive?
2: I still receive. Ongoing psychiatric treatment and care—is
1: that government-funded, NDIS or no? Okay, so you got you have to pay for that.
2: Yeah, TAC paid for renovations and stuff. Oh, they did. FAS, so, is it road?
1: Yeah. Is that classified as road safety?
2: I'm not, I'm not sure. It must it be transport,
1: be. you know, transport, transport commission. accident
2: commission. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's
1: a train.
0: I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah. transport accident commission. Of That's course. what it is. Yeah, yeah, it is transport.
1: Yeah, yeah there
2: you go. So um, they cover the cost for prosthetics yeah. and rehab and stuff like that, which.
1: Thank God. Oh, Mm, absolutely. It's it's just ridiculous. Well, that's why the NDIS came in. for.
2: There's
1: always WorkSafe and TAC, but if you're outside of that, i.e. born with a tumour like me, catch you later, you pay for everything. So the NDIS is there as an insurance scheme like that. Not as much uh, revenue to go through. It's not revenue is the wrong word, but not as much funding, but yeah. Yeah. So do you choose, because I I had a good Instagram stalk, just followed you back by the way. (laughs) Um, You are walking in a lot of the photos. Yeah. So... You relearn how to walk on the on your prosthetics. Yeah, we've learned that double amputee is not that I'm good at walking, but mm-hmm. it's a lot. It's a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, how was the process of relearning how to walk?
2: Well, it was definitely challenging, and because well, my left stump is quite damaged, lots of um, skin grafts, and I have a different type of prosthetic compared to normal for my left um, prosthetic. What do you mean? So it's like a thigh corset that goes up here. Oh, so wraps around your thigh. thigh. Yeah. Oh,
1: because your stump's not long enough, kind of – oh, not strong enough?
2: Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Cool. Yeah.
0: Would it be because the grafts wouldn't be as, like, strong themselves? Yeah. Yep. So and they kind of need an extra bit of protection, like yeah. a bandage around it.
2: And without it, I just kept getting pressure sores uh, and yeah. skin I get it, and I get stuff yep. all the time. Yeah. Um. So – was kind of like the last solution, last straw kind of thing. If this didn't work, then they would have amputated above the knee, so it would have been difficult or more difficult, again, having one below knee, one above knee. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: You're quite honest and open about your disability on your Instagram, which we're both stalked, Um, but you you do talk about your journey and you do show your scars. But for you, your Instagram starts in 2019. Yes. Did you have social before that, and did you delete it to become this person post-accident? Can you talk us through how you were sharing your story?
2: Um, I did have social media. I had Instagram before that, and I actually pretty much started sharing my story pretty much after the incident, but um, my Instagram got hacked and shut down. So I had to kind of restart I'll start it it again. Again, yeah.
0: Here I was thinking 2019, <laughs> I'm stepping out.
2: This
0: is, I'm giving you this juicy hook. It's just, hard, nah,
2: hackers. That's so good. Uh, that's actually quite funny.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, uh, but
0: if anyone wants to go and check out your Instagram, um, if that's okay, we can plug it.
2: Yeah. Uh, what is it again? Lewis McDonough underscore, I think. So when you
1: left rehab, you left hospital, yeah. right, you started your new life, did you... Talk about the, the the difference, the way that you viewed yourself but also the way that maybe society viewed you as well.
2: Definitely was a big change. I mean, I wasn't disabled for the first 19 years mm-hmm. of my life physically and um, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and thinking, okay, well, I have no legs now or no lower legs now. I look different. People are going to see me as different. People aren't going to like me because of the way I look. And that's how I felt for the first couple of months, um, especially. But then um, people like Jess Quinn and stuff like that really, really amazing.
0: We do love ourselves some Jess Quinn. <laughs> been on the Go check it out if you missed that episode. Rotation Plasty. Yeah. Very good.
2: It was people like her that just made me realize that it doesn't matter how you look and it doesn't matter what people think about you. All that truly matters is the fact that you're comfortable with yourself.
1: And you didn't think that before the, the accident?
2: No.
1: Are you more comfortable within your now disabled self-skin?
2: Ironically, yes.
1: That's mm. cra- it's So, like, I love that you're sharing your story, you know, because obviously t- what a, I can't think of a bigger trauma to make you realise something about yourself, you know. Yeah. It's,
0: and it, it's a shame that you had to go through correct. that, of yeah, course. but. Yeah. You know, it's great that you've got a, a better mindset and image of yourself on the other side of it.
1: And now you haven't seen behind, but you've got a very proud dad out there who's taken photos nonstop, right? Oh, like, really? Yeah, I just busted yeah. him taking yeah. a bunch of photos. And he's taken a couple of pics. So how's your relationship with your, your family? You know, obviously it was a big trauma on them, but yeah. did it bring you guys closer together?
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah? Yeah, well, I'm definitely happy that it made us closer. Um, Obviously, like all families, you still have your moments. Of course. And- <laughs> But, uh, yeah, um, I wouldn't wouldn't have been able to still be here today without all of their support.
1: Yeah, I bet they're stoked you're still here too.
2: Yeah, even though my little sister won't admit it.
1: Yeah, never. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's her, that's her, that's her job.
2: Yeah. That's her job to not yeah. admit it. <laughs> uh,
0: I've got a couple of questions. Uh, one, and, of course, I don't want to yeah. trigger anything, no, and, of course, okay. but
1: how do you feel about trains?
2: Terrified of them.
1: Oh, okay. Have you been on a train since? No. Oh. Yeah, I Did you ever go on a train again? No. Trains are overrated. I hate trains too. Hard to get on when you're in a wheelchair, so now you've got a valid excuse too. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, I even get shivers down my spine and feel nauseous if I pass like train tracks or no way. Mm. Yeah, even yeah. when you're
1: driving around. Yeah, never would have thought of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, but you, there's some sort. Sometimes I guess you just can't escape them though. But I mean, no. yeah, yeah. Even the sound on a movie or something. All of a sudden, Spider Man—they're going through Manhattan—and there's a the sound of a train. You're like, oh, what God.
2: was your
1: opinion of trains before?
2: I still dislike them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: public transport at the end of the yeah. day. I mean, you're sitting on someone's gum from four weeks ago, let's be <laughs> honest.
1: Forgetting to t- touch on. I t- oh, See, I don't tap on. I don't even catch trains. I don't even know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little tap um, Opal and Mikey
2: Nike. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, and now we do have a bowl of uncomfortable question, but first I want to read out your nomination. Do you know you were nominated? I told you that on Instagram?
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah.
0: This is what it said. I have a young 23-year-old woman you need, Capitals, to interview for the podcast. She's a suicide survivor and an effing powerhouse. Her name is Lauren. Four years ago, Lauren lost her will to live and consequently made a decision to be hit by a train. I don't know Lauren personally. She is a ball of light and a force. So
1: hopefully you are. How do you feel? Tell me how you feel right now when you hear that.
2: I'm not gonna lie, it makes me not uncomfortable, but a bit shocked.
1: Yeah, but you are. Like I love. We wouldn't have come across you if it wasn't for yeah. Emma. And you got to soak that in, because- even though you
0: did follow us before that. Thank, but thank you.
1: you. But you got to soak that in because you know it's even just doing this is. Powerful powerhouse is a great way to describe yeah. it, isn't it? Using your experience to help people because that's mm. what this is probably doing. Do, do you feel when you do share your story, do, do you think about that, that you actually are helping people in doing it, or is it just something that you've started doing?
2: I try and think that maybe my story might help other people. Um, that's primarily why I want to share my story. Um, there have always been people that have been like, okay, but why would you share this and this is too much. We don't want to hear about it and stuff. And there's always going to be people that don't want to hear that kind of stuff. You can't really.
1: But that's a great thing. They don't have do to you follow you. Too much about that. Yeah, that's that's great thing, yeah. When people yeah. say, you follow me on social media and they, why are you doing that? And they follow me. I'm like, just don't follow me. Yeah. If, yeah. I'm that, if I'm <laughs> yeah. ruining your day yeah. that much. Yeah, yeah if it's
2: like, yeah, yeah, it's like
1: irritating for you. I look at them like they follow you. Know? you. It's like, what are you even bothering doing that? And a couple
2: of times when people have said that, I'm like, okay. Catch you. No, maybe like, why am I doing this? And then I think, okay, maybe I needed to hear a story like mine um, when I was feeling that way. And even if, you know, my story can help one person thinking the same thing or contemplating suicide, then that's my aim.
1: I will guarantee we'll get a DM saying that. I'm telling you. We had Heath Davidson, my doubles partner, come on and tell his story. The next day he goes, hey, mate, I was thinking about harming myself last night. I didn't because of your story. And Heath almost fell out of his wheelchair because he's never told his story fully publicly. That was the first time. Yeah. So power to you. Not
0: often does a bowl of uncomfortable question make me feel uncomfortable. And the whole purpose of it is to make us all feel comfortable with disability in your Mm. story. So I'm going to read it. Did you or were you thinking about the people who would be affected by that day at the train station, from the driver, the witnesses or the medical staff that attended the scene?
2: Yes. Um,
1: do you still think about the driver? Oh, uh,
2: yeah, sure do. Uh,
1: have you connected with that person? No. And don't, no, don't I, don't, I don't know who it was? I
2: have no idea who it was. Um, yeah.
0: Because we know that your family is directly affected. Yeah. Um, you're affected most of all, yeah. of course. But, of course, there are the people who are indirectly affected who have no idea about your story and your back history, train mm. driver being one, the paramedics who attended the scene that mm. day. Um, and so I wonder if you had, you know, thought about how else it was affecting other people with your incident.
2: I think in that moment, in that direct moment, probably not, but definitely afterwards, um, even still to this day, can't help. Not, It's not guilt. Yeah, it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't
1: be guilt is what I was thinking
2: not guilt as such, but you can't help but feel bad for what, what you put people through.
1: And I guess you
0: didn't ever, you know, at that time you probably didn't. No. You, there, was no there was nothing past that moment. No, and
2: it's not like you or I meant to hurt people oh, of course or not. anything no, like that. that. I, no, we never said that. And I
1: guess like, correct if I'm wrong, but there's like people say, oh, it's selfish, but they don't know what you're going through. No. It's like a mental, it's an illness, right? Yeah. You can't control that. No. So when people say, and I learned this when a friend of mine passed away, I'm like.
0: Selfish is a word that gets used a lot. And with it's not yeah. methods, they don't understand. What
1: you're going through, it's like an actual illness that you can't control. The same way you get a flu. Like the same way that you got food poisoning. You don't want to have food poisoning, but you got it. You know what I mean? I appreciate you saying that because that's how my head went. But initially you think, what about that person? What about that person? Fair enough. Well, can you do me a favour? Can you make sure you stick around for a while? Yeah. Because you're a legend, right? Really important thing to share. Your dad's got a huge smile out there. I know the family's proud. We're proud that you came on this podcast and and shared your story because I promise you it's going to... Gonna help a lot of people. And make sure you go follow. Give the Instagram a plug again.
2: Oh, loves McDonough underscore. Thank you very much.
1: That's the one.
0: Thanks so much for coming on the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: What man? Good on her. Yeah, coming I've... on, and you and we we're giving each other looks. Like, just don't want to say the wrong thing. And, and, and but she, as mentioned by the person that nominated her, is a powerhouse who's owning her story, which I love. Um, it's her story to own, and I think it will change a few people.
0: Uh, and before, you know, some people might have questions. We have sent this th- through before it's released to the appropriate people to make sure the questions asked, uh, even though they were comfortable with laws, um, are comfortable with hopefully a wider community. But once again, um, this episode did discuss a specific person's experiences with PTSD and attempt to end their life, which may be triggering if you have similar experiences. Of course, our friends at Lifeline are always there 13, 11, 14. Um, once again, uh, a huge thank you to Loz. I've the bowl of uncomfortable. The whole interview, I didn't feel like I don't, uncomfortable is the wrong word, but I was like, please get this right, Angus. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you feel that? Yeah, yeah. Never, was, never, never have I felt that way because she, the mental health hasn't gone. You know, she's still dealing with, yeah. you know, her own I'm dealing battles. with the world.
1: And and and
0: I didn't want to walk out of here with her thinking like that train question,
1: asking if she's scared. Yeah. Like I could have gone. Yeah, wrong. Good on her though, just owning yeah. it. I was impressed, really impressed. Absolutely.
0: Uh, thank you so much if you got to the end of this episode. and Give her a follow as well. Absolutely, but understandable to the people who didn't, who aren't listening. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> because they, they never got past the first trigger They've gone warning. back to my lame episode. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of episodes, we do have another one on the way.
1: Obviously the accident changed your life. Are you a better person after the accident or before? How have you changed?
0: Definitely after. You can ask my mum. <laughs> what,
1: what does she say? What does she say about it?
0: Well, my family, like I was definitely an arrogant kid when I before my accident. Who I just thought life resolved around me, and I thought I was better than everyone else. But now, like my, my perception on the world changed so much. And yeah, I think I, don't know, I think I it's like I grew a skill of reading the world way better and like different point of view. Hmm. Like I was never grateful for anything. I just thought I didn't realize how blessed I was. Like if I was. To go back now with the mentality I have now, I'd be like the happiest man in the world.
1: Are you still blessed though, even though you're disabled now? Oh, yeah.
0: Bloody earth.
1: Yeah? Why do you say that?
0: Uh, because main ones would just be family and friends. Um, just being there for me through thick and thin. We'll catch you then in a fortnight's time. Or if you're listening to this and you just caught up, just click the next button. Go next. Next episode. Listenable was presented by Dylan Orcott and Angus O'Loughlin. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Produced by Beth Gibson.
1: We also hire people with disability, including Stephen Tower, who does our captions for YouTube. And our awesome theme song is made by Eliza Hull.
0: Listener.